Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. This episode on inclusivity is dedicated to all those who have been excluded by religious organizations. Well, welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, and I am so honored and excited to be here with one of my favorite people in the world, Scott Jenkins, and today we're going to talk about inclusivity. Now, one interesting thing, Scott, is that I think as we discuss some of these things, specifically inclusivity, a lot of people are going to hear this and say, oh, there's some new age thought behind faith or religion. But the reality is that couldn't be farther from the truth because this is not a new way of thinking at all. It is not. But I understand how you think and feel about it, this whole new agey thing. I can, honest to God, just yesterday had somebody say to me, oh, so now you're involved in the in the pagan playground now? And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not that at all. But I, you know, we understand why people are like that. Sometimes when people hear about something maybe they're uncomfortable with or just haven't heard much about, they're quick to label it as whatever they want to label it as to put it in a category where they don't have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of misunderstanding. Sometime in the second century, people began to leave the cities and go into the deserts, like in Syria and Egypt. They left the cities because they were tired of the pollution of their souls that were there. And they wanted to... Be- you know, the whole desert mothers and fathers thing, living in caves and finally communities around some water. And whatever it was, I can only imagine it was the Holy Spirit at work and somebody who led a small group of people from these deserts all the way up to the what is today the United Kingdom. And they transplanted that desert spirituality in the United Kingdom. And that's important because through the late second, into the third century, into the fourth century, you have this Christianity that is spreading from below. It's rising up, right? And they're not importing a whole bunch of clergy from the continent, bishops and diocesan structure and everything. That did come, of course, but it's not how it started. Instead of building churches, They build monastic communities. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And so the contemplative rhythms of life that were there in the desert became a real part of what was happening in Britain. And so you had this whole different feel, this whole different mode of being church. So they grow crops and they raise goats and sheep and cows and so on. And the excess that they have, they share freely with people in the village because they're not out evangelizing in that first year that the monastery is set up. They're just coming together for prayer. And if people come from the village to check it out, they learn about their prayer and they share with people in the village freely, which really opens people's eyes up. Like you're giving this. Yeah. Not only are we giving it, we're going to teach you how to do these things. And when you have your children, if you want, we can teach you about letters and how to write and how to read. 
and how to sing. And of course, what did they teach them? The scriptures, the Psalms, right? So this is a kind of Christianity that is it focused outward and including people? Yeah, but very slowly because they're really focused on the transformation. They feel the call to become holy, to become Christ-like, to die to self and rise with Christ in the here and the now. The context of the Celtic soil is that in the Celtic society, men and women are equal. What men do, women do. So that goes all the thing to warriors, to hunting, to archery, spear throwing, so on. And then you see monasteries, not, I wouldn't say the majority, but I wouldn't say that it was uncommon in the early stages that at these monasteries, there were men and women, which on the continent, you'd never have that. So a whole nother podcast is the relationship between one's body and human sexuality and the opposite gender is very different on Celtic soil than it is what has been influenced by the Roman church on the continent. A couple things that stick out to me, Scott, based on what you just said. First of all, this idea of the church being not just spiritual, but also practical. I guess we could take that a step farther and say that sometimes the practical is very, very spiritual. But a lot of times our faith circles, at least here in the West, tend to focus a lot on spiritual, but not as much on practical. And then second, this idea of inclusivity. I do not think our modern faith communities, specifically in the West, I do not think they do inclusive very well. No, we don't see that right now. No, we don't. Yeah. So it's very earthy based, you know, it's just so alive and very practical. Yes. And one of the things, Scott, that I love that you shared last time we spoke is that inclusivity starts within us. And I've got to be honest, every time I've thought about the thought or the idea of being inclusive, I always think about the other. I always think about the person in front of me or other people out there. I don't think I've ever considered the idea of being inclusive within myself first. Once you see that, you can't let go of it. So here's a story, real life story. I started an ecumenical Catholic community, which means Catholics are not going to, Roman Catholics are not going to like you, and Protestants don't want to be around you. So I've already offended everybody just in the name. And we're a very tiny group. We draw mostly upon people who have left the Roman church for a whole range of, of reasons. And we met in a storefront in not the best strip mall, in not the best part of Aurora, Colorado. And I'll just leave it at that. And I had a vision for what I wanted. I wanted people to come and undergo some sense of becoming deeper in their spiritual life and at the same time, create a radically inclusive community that was very uncommon for Catholics to experience. And of course, have a strong arm of social ministry and social justice stuff. So when people started coming one at a time, two, three, we'd build up to like 10, 15, 20 people. The mentality of coming to church was very transactional. I come to church, I get communion, I don't talk to anybody. I go home. I might not see you for the rest of the week. I come back. 
the transaction takes place again. I got my wafer, I got my wine, I listened, I go home. Well, now, Scott, I'm from the Midwest over here, and that's what we love to do. We love going to church, going home, and not having to deal with any relational stuff. So when you talk like this, it gets a little scary for me. It does. And so when you can build trust with people, then they come and start like, well, you're a priest who is available. I mean, you're like one of us. You're very imperfect. You're very human. And then people can begin to talk. And one by one, they can open up their lives. And I began to want to model, not perfect about it, and to teach about how our brokenness is somehow the opening to the best things of our very lives. And one by one, people would come and say to me, you know, I really feel accepted by God. And they'd have tears in their eyes. And people would would recount divorce. They would recount tragic things, addiction, right? Alcoholism, all kinds of things in their lives and, and say, there's mercy there for you. This is part of your human journey. We can learn from this and learning to accept ourselves, learning to hear the voice that God said to Jesus in the river, you are my beloved son or daughter. With you, I am well pleased. If we can stand in that river of baptism and identify with that voice that comes to Jesus, all of a sudden, I can actually take time and be real with somebody else. And one of the things we did that really to make sure this happened is we had this Celtic mass once a month, except after church, we had wine and people would stay. And I would go around from table to table and listen to the conversations. And they were deepening into each other's lives. You can accept ourselves. I can accept you now. In that way, we can turn our sights on being a missional congregation, advertised, all people are welcome and are welcome to the table of the Lord. It's not about being worthy. It's about the great recognition scene that we are children of God. Now, Scott, I'm thinking back right now to when I was growing up in church. And what I recall, what I remember is not learning that I was accepted by God no matter what, but instead that I was accepted by God based on what I did. And to me, those seem to be two very different things. It's not only two different things. Get ready for this. It's two different religions. Doing the right thing is not that much different than the conversation Paul had with the Galatians, right? After he had shared the gospel with them and he left, some people followed him in there later and said, oh, what Paul said to you was true, but it wasn't all the truth, right? Because you have to keep the law and you have to be circumcised. And all that is, is starting the tradition again that somehow the gospel isn't enough. And now we have to do something in order to become worthy so that we can make it. (laughs) And that's not the point. I, I, I tell people all the time, being a Christian, the point of being a Christian isn't so much about going to heaven. 
as much as it is, is learning to follow Jesus and become like him in this world. I had a conversation with a gentleman a few weeks back, and earlier in his life, he was a severe addict, and he couldn't overcome it. He tried and he tried. He couldn't kick this addiction that he had. And then one moment in his life, he had this realization that God loved him in the middle of his addiction and that God would accept him whether he ever got clean or not. And it was that realization that helped him to finally overcome this addiction in his life. It's life-changing in a process over time, (laughs) like water in a creek running over a rock, you know? So it takes time for some of us to get that. Now, you already alluded to Paul and in reference to the Bible. Now, I think about Jesus and I think everything he stood for, everything he said represented inclusivity. But is there anything else biblically that sticks out to you? Oh, there is, you know, um, and it could be that I'm just teaching this class on Galatians right now. In Paul's argument to these people who followed behind him, he's like, no, no, it's not the law. It's not circumcision. You see, all the way back, what is it in Genesis 12, 3? God takes a very imperfect couple, Abram and Sarai, and he's talking to Abram, and he says, out of your seed, the nations of the world will be blessed. And then Abram believed God and God counted that as righteousness. No law, no moral perfection. I mean, Abram, who became Abraham, did a lot of great things. He had his failures. They're in black and white, you know, and God still walked with him and and blessed the nations through him. And so I think about that. I think about the coming of Jesus who is always reminding us, right, that somehow we have forgotten that we stand in the thick of the waters of a Judeo-Christian religion. And so, Father Abraham, as Paul says in Galatians, is our father based on faith, not on works. You go on into the letter of Galatians where Paul is talking about, and he makes a very radical statement where he says to these these churches, these groups of churches in Turkey, which a couple hundred years before this letter is written, Celtic people are living there, by the way. And Paul says, look, in Christ, which is a mystical vision of Christ, right? In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither rich nor poor. There's neither slave nor free. That may not hit us like it did them. One-third of the population are slaves back then. This is a heavy thing. There's neither male nor female. I don't think that's the end of the list. I think that's method. I think that's dynamic. I think what Paul is seeing is a little bit of the vision, but he doesn't see it all. Because time goes on. We learn about our environment. We learn about psychology. We learn about people. We know that men and women are different, but they're also equal. Everybody needs to be included. I can't imagine that anybody today who studies psychology and science and human physiology and so on, that somehow because people's sexual orientation or the color of their skin or whatever it may be, just by those things have to be excluded from the people of God. 
I think if Paul were alive today, that list would be a lot longer. It would be much broader and deeper, and we would all be a lot more uncomfortable until we really could go inside and look at ourselves. Well, I, you know, I couldn't agree more with all of that. And when we think about what Paul was talking about, he was just talking about issues that were divisive in his day and alluding to the reality that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth, brings that which is divisive together. So now in our modern thought process, and this is the problem with looking at the Bible literally, not giving it any space to breathe, is that we just cut it off at what Paul says. But if we take the concept and bring it into our current culture, we would add the LGBTQ community. We would add gender issues to it as well. These areas of division, which we see a lot of in our world today, I believe should be the space where we see faith, where we see the church, where we see Christians shine. But unfortunately, this today... I think the church, faith, and Christianity are falling flat on. Yeah, I do too. It doesn't take a genius to look and see the pain and suffering that's in our world right now. And it seems like these are very, very dark days. There's just so much ripping in the fabric of our own society. People are nervous, anxious, scared. And then I have to stop and think that this may be a pregnant moment. All of life seems to me to come out of darkness. It comes out of the womb. It comes out of the earth. It comes out of the night. Transformation happens slowly and painfully. And the darkness is the symbol of there's something powerful going on in a place that we cannot see. We cannot see fully. And that may be okay. Because as, as a white male who lives in the United States, we have a history of If I can see it, I will try to control it. I will try to figure out. I'll try to master it. No, I'm hoping there's something growing here that will be transformative that is way beyond our control. Inclusivity today is just the thing, isn't it? We have to open up the fabric of our society. We have to do it systemically. We, we have to make room for everyone. Everyone needs to win at this or nobody does. And when we begin to do that from within, then and perhaps only then, can I genuinely do that with you? It's the transformation that will go on in here, Matt, that I believe that will begin to help us see ourselves in a more rightful, sacred place among the world right? Because we have to consider all the other living creatures we share this planet with. It can't just be about people and everything else out there is an object for our use. Oh, I mean, this whole inclusivity thing just keeps going and going and going. And it may be preparing us for a whole new way to live and relate to the world around us. It's filled with lots of potential right now but it will take a crucifixion in many of our lives in order to get this resurrection to happen. Scott, I really, really hope that everybody listening to this podcast feels a urgency to move 
towards inclusivity and feels as if that is what God's desire would be for us. But sometimes it's really tricky in our modern world to actually put this into practical ways to actually live it out in our lives. So do you have any thoughts of how we can take the idea of inclusivity and practically move forward with it in our world and in our lives today? I think about when Jesus came, well, he didn't come to give us an ideology, not set up a new program, right? He came and he offered himself, his life, his living. And when I say his life, I don't just mean, but I want to include sacrificial death on the cross, not downplaying that. Sometimes that's all we focus on. His sacrificial life, foxes have dens, birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I mean, it it just was a life of investing in people all the time. Henry Nouwen used to say that at the end of our life, the people that will matter the most to us are not the people who gave us lots and lots of advice or sage wisdom, but people who really would stop and listen to our pain. We would go away from those conversations with a deep feeling of, I'm not alone. I've been heard. I met somebody like me. There's hope. So it's this relational process. Maybe what's really being called out of us, what we can practically do, are the things that nobody really wants to do. We have to ask ourselves, what does it mean for me to be the presence of Christ in this COVID period right now, right where I am? And all of a sudden, it seems like the task is too big. But maybe what we need to do is do an inventory of ourselves about what's going on in our lives and say, these are some things in me that need to change. So God willing, by the time this COVID crisis is over, and we can go back out into the world, that we will not go back out into the world the way we were. Maybe I'll cherish the meeting I have at a grocery store with a friend I didn't expect to run into. Maybe when I'm having coffee with somebody, I'll actually turn my phone off and be attentive to the person across the table. Maybe I will look at people that I oftentimes were prejudiced against with a little more compassion and appreciation. Maybe it's in those quiet ways those life-lived ways, those consistent ways. Maybe we will look at people in need and take a look at our checkbook a lot differently than we did before as well. Maybe that hungry person on the corner or living in a tent in our city is, is maybe worth asking ourselves the question, what can we do about this? We have a problem today, I think, in American politics. Boy, that's an understatement of the world. The problem is (laughs) the great illusion of leadership is to think that you and I can be led out of these difficult times, out of the desert, by somebody who's never been there. So the kind of leaders, the kind of Christians I'm, I'm looking for are people who are deeply in touch with their lives and have accepted themselves so we can begin to broaden the acceptance and inclusivity of other people who are really in need of belonging. 
when we don't have belonging, it's not just we're alone, it's lonely. And it's a bankrupt life in many ways. Paula Darcy, she said that God comes to us disguised as our life. Isn't that something? What if we took that seriously? And here's the kicker to that statement. She wrote that a few months after her husband and her one-year-old son were killed by a drunk driver. She was 27 years old and three months pregnant, and she could still say, God comes to us disguised as our own life. Frederick Buechner says that in order to find God, we have to listen to our own life. And this is the message of Celtic Christianity. It begins here. Find the light of Christ that is a gift. Work at it being transformative in your life. Then you can leave the monastery and go out and be the love of Christ to the world, not just tell them about it. Thank you for joining us for this premiere episode of the Celtic Way podcast. New episodes come out on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, give it an honest rating and a review. This is the best way to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible. Visit our website at CelticWay.org and subscribe to our updates. While you're there, please consider becoming a sustainable donor so that the message of Celtic Way can continue to influence the world today. Also, like us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado. Special thanks to Gary Davidson for all of the original music in this episode.